Greetings Stay Frosty Parkrunners and welcome to the 29th edition of the Stay Frosty Parkrun podcast. I'm your host Emu and this week I'm going to be looking at the process of starting up a new parkrun plus announcing my star parkrunner of the week, detailing my featured parkrun, letting you know about any parkrun anniversaries coming up and as always telling you how we got on in our own parkruns this week. I'd really like to be able to share some of your parkrun stories as well, so if you have an interesting anecdote or someone you'd like to nominate for my Star Parkrunner slot, you can get in touch on the email stayfrostyparkrun at gmail.com or you can get in touch via the Stay Frosty Facebook page. It's always inspiring to hear what parkrun means to you. Now, you might be a regular participant, volunteer or both, but have you ever thought about what actually goes into setting up a brand new parkrun? I've heard it mentioned in passing, but until now I didn't know exactly what needs to be done to create your own new parkrun event. So if you've ever wondered, or maybe you're considering setting up your own parkrun, then I'm going to go through the process step by step. If you've never volunteered before, then that is a really good place to start. By volunteering for different roles at a parkrun, you can get a real sense of what's involved in each week setting things up and running and packing up the parkrun event. The first step is simply to feel like a parkrun in your area would be really beneficial and to have a venue in mind, then to let the parkrun organisation know on their webpage start your own event, which I will of course provide a link for on the Facebook page. Ideally the event will be in a park, but there are parkruns, Victoria Dock for example, which have their course in areas other than parks. But it needs to be suitable. Some questions you need to start thinking about are where should the route go? Will the route allow other park users enough space? How many laps will be needed? Are there any hazards? And what facilities are there nearby? In terms of facilities, you ideally want to be looking for parking, toilet, some sort of shelter, a cafe not too far away, and a good start-finish area where you can give the briefings. I personally feel the most important of these are the suitable start-finish area and the toilets but I have been to park runs without toilets nearby and they do seem to cope fine with that as well. As long as you make it clear on your park run webpage that there aren't any toilet facilities nearby then participants will be prepared when they turn up. Even if it's not very close to the start finish area it's definitely worth choosing a cafe where everyone can relax and mingle after the event. It's also good for the volunteers to discuss the event and upload the results. You will need to assemble your park run Avengers the most basic bare-bones parkrun will require a timekeeper, a finishing token dispenser, a barcode scanner and someone to write down any barcode numbers which cannot be scanned. You need to aim to get a group of maybe 10 committed people who will work as the run director and organise volunteers each week on a rotational basis. As the instigator, you are most likely to be the event director. You want to get people together who are as enthusiastic about the idea of a new parkrun as you are. The local running clubs could be a good place to start if you don't have anyone in mind straight away. The core team will most likely start out volunteering a lot to get the ball rolling, so you don't want anyone who is unreliable in this regard. The more reliable volunteers you have, the less stressed out you will be each week. A blog post from Simon, a few years ago now this one, strongly recommends that you don't become a one-man or one-woman band because it can cause more, more problems than needed. It's a good idea to delegate jobs to reliable volunteers so that you can also enjoy the event as it, as it progresses. 
Once the event has established itself a bit, people will register interest to become a volunteer and you can send emails to encourage people to try new roles or fill a gap in an upcoming event. By training people in different roles, you'll be able to make sure there is someone for each volunteering job each week and they'll be able to cover you then when you are short of volunteers. You can save time by getting a venue and a team together before you contact Parkrun, but it's also very important to get in touch with the park authorities, often the local council, and set up a meeting to discuss your idea. Parkrun can of course help you with this. Some councils will be more lenient than others, but it's a good idea to work closely with them throughout the process and keep them on side. If they decide you can't use the park, then your new event, new event won't get, even get off the ground. You will also need to measure the course to make sure it's exactly 5 kilometres. Again, Parkrun HQ team will be able to assist with this. If you know how long you take to run a 5 kilometre distance, then you can jog your course to give yourself a rough idea about the distance before you measure it. You need to do a risk assessment of your event, which will be done with the Parkrun representative who will be helping you along with the setup process. This has to be agreed for safety and insurance purposes. For junior park runs, you will also need to go through some child protection things as well. Next up is of course the funding. Now it's true that park run is a free event to attend and it will remain free going forward. However, there is an initial setup cost after which all costs, website, equipment, training, etc. will be covered by the park run organisation. The setup cost is currently £3,000, which is half of what's needed to set up the event. The other half is covered by the Parkrun sponsors. The local council may be able to help with funding, or you can contact your local sports development officer for help. Again, this is a good point also to call around all your local running clubs, as this is likely to be where a lot of your Parkrunners will come from, and they can help with fundraising as well. So, you've done your health and safety assessment, you've got your funding, you've mapped out the route and you've got your team of dedicated volunteers raring to go. Now you need to train the volunteers for the different roles they will be filling. You'll be encouraged to do a test run where you invite maybe 20 to 30 runners and practice using all the kit that you're going to have for the event. It's also good to flag up any potential issues with the event, for example if you need marshals on certain corners to stop people going the wrong way, or if a piece of equipment isn't functioning properly, then this can all be highlighted at this point. Once you've completed a satisfactory test run, Parkrun HQ will give you a start date and provide you with information for your web page and set up a Facebook and Twitter page. They'll also start to promote the date and gain support. Don't forget to remind all your local running clubs of the start date as well. Make sure you've delegated enough of the responsibilities to enjoy the build-up to the first day. Check you have all your kit, put your first run briefing together, give a pep talk to your team and have fun. You've started an event which will encourage others in the area to get active and be sociable, as well as raising the profile of the area that your event is in. With the popularity of parkrun increasing rapidly, it wouldn't surprise me to learn that local parkruns could start having an effect on house prices in the area in the same way that having a nearby gym or other leisure facilities might do. To anyone out there considering starting up a parkrun, I say good luck and thank you very much for helping to expand the parkrun family. And to help people like Jay and myself uh, be tourists in more locations than ever. 
Now, moving on. This week it gives me great pleasure to give a drum roll to... Mary Carmel Brown as my star parkrunner of the week. Mary ran at Peckham Rye Parkrun this week and completed her 50th parkrun. She has done a total of 20 runs at Peckham Rye and her fastest ever time was 24 minutes and 25 seconds which she ran at Dulwich on the 25th of February in 2015. This week she completed Peckham Rye Park run in a time of 30 minutes and 6 seconds and finished 297th place overall and 102nd out of all the female runners. And she also got an age grading of 51.5%. Well done Mary on your 50th Park Run event. For this week's featured parkrun, I've also chosen to take a look at Peckham Rye Parkrun. This event is located in Peckham Rye Park, and the start and finish is located close to Col the Colleton Road entrance of the park. To get to the park, the closest overground station is Onaga Oak Park, and the other train stations are Nunhead and Queens Road Peckham. Buses which run past the park are the 12 or the 484. If you're driving, you can use the postcode SE153UA. This course consists of three laps and it's all run on tarmac. It's described on the website as mainly flat, which I would argue is maybe partially true. Over the lap, the course spends most of the time gently descending, but there is a slight more noticeable incline back up to the finish, which becomes more noticeable each time you go round. There are some toilets, maybe 5-10 minutes walk away from the start-finish area, so allow a little time if you want to pop to the bathroom before you run. This is a nice park which, which also has a children's play area, a lake, Japanese gardens, and there is a cafe just outside the park where the team meets up after the event for a coffee and breakfast. The cafe is called the Parkside Cafe and the food is reasonably, reasonably priced and the portions are generous. Recent events have had volunteers numbering between about 18 and 22 and participants between 3 and 500. The largest number of runners here was 548 on the 1st of January this year. So far there have been 257 events here which makes the start date the 21st of June in 2014. We found this to be a charming park with friendly volunteers and although the path is a little narrow in places the numbers aren't so large that you ever feel completely crowded out. Jay and I would happily attend this park run again. And as you may well know by now, that sound means it's time for the park run anniversaries. Now there aren't so many this week, but let's get started straight away with Clapham Common Park Run and the Whammy Park Run, both of which started on the 24th of March in 2018, and will soon be celebrating their first anniversaries. Clapham Common was the event I attended in January when they had 1,019 runners, possibly due to the lack of park runs in the borough of Wandsworth. Hint, hint, Wandsworth Borough Council. Maidenhead Park Run, Evesham Park Run and Weatherby Park Run will all be celebrating their fourth anniversaries having started on the 21st of March in 2015. Rygate Priory Park Run started on the 22nd of March in 2014 so they'll soon be celebrating their fifth anniversary. And 
finally for this week. I said it was a short one. Forgive my woeful pronunciation, but Lynn Lech Owain Parkrun, who started on the 23rd of March in 2013, will be celebrating their sixth anniversary. Congratulations to all the parkruns with anniversaries coming up soon. Today, as you may have guessed, Jay and I went to Peckham Rye Park Run. It was windy. Not that cold, thankfully, but the wind did make it feel colder than it was. 383 participants turned up to have a go at the 5km course, which was quick and on tarmac. But, as I mentioned previously, the slight incline back up to the finish seems to get more pronounced with each lap. And for me personally, it felt like a mountain on my final lap when all my energy reserves suddenly seemed depleted, and oxygen felt harder to come by than I've ever found before. Nonetheless, I managed to get round the course in a time of 25 minutes and 34 seconds, which I'm very happy with, as it's actually my second fastest ever park run time. We also went for breakfast at the cosy Parkside Cafe, which I've mentioned, which is where the volunteers also meet to discuss their park run afterwards. Jay reckons he went out too fast again, but he still managed to complete the 5 kilometres in 27 minutes and 3 seconds, which is also his second fastest ever time, so he was happy with his effort as well. As I've mentioned, we both enjoyed this one, and it is a really lovely park, so we'll probably revisit, revisit this one at some point. My sister Nikki didn't actually do a park run this weekend because she entered the Richmond Spring Riverside 10k, and I'm happy and proud to report that her finishing chip time was 48 minutes and 36 seconds over 10 kilometres, which is an absolutely awesome time. She'll also be joining Jay and I on the one-hour Adidas run at the beginning of April, which is roughly a one-mile circuit that you repeat for an hour to see how far you can go. We're all training outside of park runs to see how far we can get, and it'll be a nice test of our various different training plans to see what happens on the day. This weekend has also seen me uh, dig out my old cooking tools. I haven't done a lot of baking in recent times. But talking about food for running, and especially now I'm doing some slightly longer runs, has made me realise that I need better fuel for my body. So instead of buying uh, lots and lots of packs of chocolate biscuits, which is something I have been doing lately and is not recommended, I have to say, not the best way to uh, fuel yourself, I've read up, looked up some recipes for some different sort of flapjack and chocolate bars and things. I say chocolate bars, I mean chocolate seed bars that you make yourself at home that will replenish your energy and help you feel more full after running. I'll let you know how it goes. I've done the chocolate one, which I feel is very, very nice, but I'll be honest, I could eat probably a kilo of it and still be very happy and hungry. But the other one I've done is quite an oaty flapjack one, so I'll let you know how it goes, and if it's a, if I feel like it's a good one, I'll share the link on my Facebook page. It's a, the, the flapjack one's actually particularly good because it's got a, a base that you make that's very, very easy to make with almond butter, peanut butter and honey, and then you add your oats to that, and then you add your sort of uh, topping flavours, if you will. So if, you, if you're if you more of a fruit person, you can add dried fruit to it. If you're more of a chocolate person like myself, you can add whatever kinds of chocolate you want to add to it as well. I'll let you know how that one goes next week. They're currently chilling in the fridge. I've had, had a bit of a bake-off this afternoon. And next week, I'm going to be wading into the murky waters of running clubs. Only joking. I'm just starting from a position of feeling like a hobby runner, and so joining a running club has never really appealed to me personally. But recently that changed, and I'll let you know why next week. 
If you're a member of a running club and love it, or if you've tried it and hated it, or even if you've never tried it before, I'd like you to drop me a message on the email stayfrostyparkrun at gmail.com or on the Facebook page and just let me know what you think because I'd love to share some other people's opinions here instead of just having my own each week. I'd also love to be able to share any stories that you have about Parkrun or any running experiences and it might just inspire someone else to do something brave and try their first ever Parkrun. Again, I'd love to hear from you. And that, I'm afraid, about wraps things up for another week. I have to say thank you very much for listening and I hope you've all had great park runs this week. If you're thinking of trying your first one, do give it a go. I strongly recommend it. It is well worth the effort. I hope you have a good week ahead. Stay frosty, park runners, and I'll see you all next week. <laughs>